Hey folks, this is Christopher with a bonus episode of Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain media. It shouldn't come as a surprise that due to the age of most of the subject matter here at Orphan Entertainment, there are very few opportunities to speak with anyone involved in their production. On the rarest occasion, however, an opportunity does present itself, and I have one for you right now. One of the stars of the recently reviewed The Bloody Brood, Mr. Jack Betts, uh, he portrayed the justice-seeking older brother, Cliff, that ended up going toe-to-toe with Peter Falk's Nico. Well, he was gracious enough to give me some time the other afternoon. Now, I hope you'll enjoy this brief conversation I had with Mr. Betts as we discuss his amazing career and his memories of his very first film, The Bloody Brood. Mr. Betts, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. My pleasure, really. Now, one of the things I always like to ask uh, actors when I get a chance to speak to them is, I know acting can be a feast and famine type job and probably one of the most difficult jobs in the world. So why why did you even choose this career for yourself? Well, I'll tell you, my, uh, when I was uh, 10 years old, um, uh, I, was, uh, I'm, uh, I was raised in Miami, Florida, and uh, I won a... Um, a singing contest on radio station WIOD Miami. I won first prize. And the audience applauded and so forth, and I liked that <laughs> a lot. And then my mother took me to see a movie called Wuthering Heights, mm. starring Laurence Olivier and Merle Obron. And when I saw Laurence Olivier's performance on that screen, I said to myself, that is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I have been doing it, and I'm still doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's amazing. enjoying it. I've never done anything else, and uh, I love it. I really do. I think that's incredible, especially at that young of an age to make that kind of decision. Yes, I and, was very definite about that. Yeah, and then be able to, to actually make it happen. How was, were you very vocal about that even at that young age? Or was it something that you just, you just went on with your life and then when the time came, you finally turned in that direction? Well, no, I just, uh, I realized, and I began writing uh, little short plays and things like that in school and began uh, putting together uh little acts together singing with a couple of girls and things like that. And I began to do uh, theatrical things even at uh, 12, 13, and 14. We were living in Miami, Florida, and then I would also go singing at the USOs for the, for the soldiers and things. So uh, the, the whole theatrical thing really just sort of unfolded for me. And my mother was very supportive of me. Oh, well, that's fantastic. It always helps to have supportive parents, especially when taking Absolutely. on... When taking on a career such as this that requires, really requires a lot of support from a lot of different avenues. Yes, it, it does, but you also have to have uh, extraordinary perseverance, uh, a sort of a philosophy that I go by is don't give in, don't give up, and don't take no for an answer. <laughs> just, just keep plowing on, very and that's good. what I've been doing. Yeah, and, and you've been doing it very well. Like I said, your career spans over 50 years. You're still working. Uh, you, I noticed you still have things uh, in uh, post-production. Yeah. Plus, you're doing you're doing stage work as well, aren't you? Uh, yes. Well, I, I did uh, the one-man show, Barrymore, about a year ago mm-hmm. here at the Marilyn Monroe Theater, and had a wonderful time doing that. And uh, I've written several plays, and these plays have been produced. And as a matter of fact, one was produced last year called It Goes Like This, and I directed it as well. And so I've written four or five plays, and they've been produced here in the Los Angeles area. And I, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm working on a screenplay right now, uh, and um, hope to be doing this production sometime at the end of the year. 
So I'm uh, the writing has also been part of my my whole career, writing and acting as well. Now I saw that, uh, and this is a, a big chunk of your, or well, a good chunk of your career, where you uh, went to Italy and start and became Hunt Powers and started yeah. a lot of spaghetti westerns. How did That's that right. come to be? Well, as a matter of fact, I was on my way home and and uh, in Los Angeles, and I stopped by to see. Uh, I called my agent. We, that was before we had cell phones. I called him, <laughs> and um, I said, "Anything going on?" He said, "Yes." As a matter of fact, there's an Italian director here who's been in New York and looking for somebody to star in three Western films. And uh, maybe you could, should come by and meet him. And, of course, I, I was there in about 15 minutes. <laughs> and uh, my, man, my agent at that time was Paul Kroner, who used to handle Bridget Bardot and a lot of, uh, a lot of other well-known people. And by the time I had gotten there, he had shown him some of the television shows that I had done. And I met this um, uh, director, Franco Giraldi, and we hit it off immediately. He spoke a little bit of English, and he said, do you, do you ride the horse? And I said, oh, <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I'd never been on a horse in my life. <laughs> and he said, and you shoot the, the gun, the pistol. And I said, yes, Frank. As a matter of fact, I've won several sharpshooting prizes, you know. I, and I'd never had a gun in my hand in my life. <laughs> anyway, uh, we just hit it off right away. And he said, uh, can you be in Rome in two weeks in Cinecittà? He said, I would like you to star in my films. And I said, you bet I can. <laughs> And then, uh, the, and then he left, and the next day I called my friend who happened to be working on John Wayne's ranch as a ranch hand, mm -hmm. and I said, you've got to teach me how to get on a friggin' horse and how to shoot a gun, because I've got to be in Rome in two weeks. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's what happened. And I ended up, uh, I went there to do three pictures, ended up staying six years, doing 21 films. Oh, that's fantastic. And I had a terrific time. Uh, it, that's, that's incredible. I mean... It's really fun to see someone who chooses this for a career and has this longer career and then has such I mean you have to admit there's almost a little a large amount of luck in a lot of it that as as yeah. well as just being talented you you can be as a, you can be talented and you can be as a, a kind of a go get them as you can but really it needs a little bit of luck and it sounds like you you have just that right amount <laughs> Yes I, I suppose I suppose that might be true but it's interesting how uh had I not stopped to make that phone call, my entire life would have been different. Right, all a little bit of fate there. Yes, exactly. A little bit of kismet. Something happens, you know. Exactly. As a matter of fact, when I uh, when I was living in New York, when I first came to New York, I uh, was working at a lamp factory, and I just graduated from the University of Miami. And a girl who was in the drama department there came to New York, and she said, "I'm auditioning for." the actor's studio, would you help me out? And I said, what's the actor's studio? <laughs> and uh, she said, well, that's a place where all the famous people go and study. So I said, sure, I'd be glad to help you. You know. So we worked on the scene, we did the scene, and uh, about three weeks later, and then the next day, Lee Strasberg called me at the Lamp Factory. Mm -hmm. How he got my telephone number at the Lamp Factory to this day, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, I saw the audition last night. Would you like to study with me? And I said, no which shows you how stupid I was. He said, he said, why? And I said, two reasons. I said, I don't, first of all, I don't think anybody can teach anybody how to act. And secondly, I can't afford it. He said, you're wrong about the first, and I will take care of the second. Come in and see me. And I did, and he gave me a three-year scholarship to study personally with him. And then after that, I auditioned for the Actors Studio and uh, became a member of the Actors Studio after that. And oddly enough, think how strange fate is. 
the first scene I did in the actor's studio, when I finished the scene, I looked out in the audience, and there was Paul Newman, Al Pacino, and above all, Lawrence Olivier. Wow, the man that got you inspired. Was, was the man who inspired me. So that was, you call that kismet or whatever you want to call it, but it was, uh, it was certainly fascinating. Uh, and has been. I've been a member of the studio since 1954. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. It had to be an, an, it just an outrageous experience. Did you get a chance to actually meet them at that time? Well, I guess, I mean, I said uh, hello after. You know, I, right. I was just in such awe. You can, you, but it's just the fact that Lance Olivier saw me do a scene at the actor's right. studio. I was just so overwhelmed by that. Yeah. You can imagine. Yeah, well, I can't. Yeah, that, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Well, you you did do you you came back to the states. You appeared in dozens of of television shows, and you've appeared in many many movies. One of the uh, movies that jumped out at me was a movie I I really enjoyed when I first saw it. You appeared as Boris Karloff in Gods and Monsters. Oh yes, Gods and Monsters. That was a good film, wasn't it? I I thought it was a fascinating story, really. And it's not only a story, but it's a true story. Exactly. And working working with Ian McClellan was absolutely marvelous. Just a wonderful, wonderful actor. And I had great fun working on that uh, on that part. I was in the uh, in the makeup ta- uh, chair about for about six hours just to do the prosthetics of that, mm-hmm. so that I could uh, look like Boris Koloff. <laughs> but it was uh, I thought it was an awfully good film too. I really did. I enjoyed working on it very much. Yeah, I remember really enjoying it. It's been unfortunately it's been a long time since I have seen it. And I when I saw it I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting. He was Boris Karloff." But I was trying to remember how big of a role, how big of a part um Boris Karloff, you know, how many scenes you appeared in and everything. I was wondering, do you do you recall was it a, a fairly big part or was it a pretty minor? Uh, no, it was a good, it was a good part. It was a good yeah. part. There were scenes that were cut out naturally, you know. Of course. But but it was a good uh, it was a good part and great fun to play it, I must say. Really. Enjoyed it, it a lot. Yeah, it was something when you um obviously the the movie focuses around uh, Ian McKellen who who plays uh, James Whale. Yeah, that's in the, right. In the final uh kind of years of his of his his, his life. But right. I was so obviously Boris Karloff has one character that comes into his life uh, with Frankenstein and what have you. And yes, I was but wondering, he created those characters. Exactly. And I was wondering how difficult is it more or less difficult when you only have a few lines, say, or, or, or a few scenes, and you mm-hmm. have to become this character, and you don't have the whole movie or the whole television show in order to kind of create and develop this character. Is it is it difficult to be able to come in and sort of try to uh, try no, to nail no, the not at all. No, no, particularly when you're playing such a very definite character as I was playing, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any difference as long as you know the character, you know very well. You can have two lines or ten lines or, or 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 whatever, as long as you know the character. And by after spending six and a half hours in the makeup chair, I was <laughs> pretty much ready to go on and say one line. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the director was wonderful, and uh, it was a great experience. It really was. Yeah, I guess it, it, in a way you sort of um, you lived the life of Boris Karloff with the the makeup chair, certainly. <laughs> oh yes, my gosh, yes, definitely, yes. definitely. Well, the film that I wanted to really talk to you about today, uh, and the film we just reviewed, and it, I, I believe it was maybe one of your first films, if not the first film, uh, it was from 1959, yes, was. The Bloody Brood. Yes. So how did you come to be in The Bloody Brood? It was Brood? my first film, and it was also, Peter, I think it was Peter Falk's first film, too. Both of us. 
Yeah, it was definitely one of his first ones. I think he might have appeared in one previous film, but this uh-huh. was, I think, one of his biggest ones, yeah, early on. But I, I got that by uh, just going to an audition uh, yeah. and, uh, in New York. And uh, I got the part, and uh, we went to Canada and shot it in Canada with uh, Julian Rothman, the director, who was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. And the thing that, I, that was the only thing that was really uncomfortable was the fact that it was like 20 degrees below zero for the whole time we were there. We were really freezing our buns off. <laughs> but, but the story was so interesting, and it was, um, it was wonderful working with Peter. Peter and I became very good friends after that. It was so fun seeing him... Uh, so young, first off. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. You know, this is long before Columbo or Murder by Death or The Chief Detective or any of his other appearances. So it was, it was a lot of fun seeing him, but he's still so recognizable. He what is Peter Falk. You got to get the impression that, that that's just who he is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly who he was. And there was nothing phony about him or actor, actorish or anything. Right. He was who he was, and you just bought his his whole persona and his whole personality, or you didn't. And you couldn't help but like him. He was just a damn likable guy. <laughs> somebody somebody you wanted as a friend. Now, there were so many people in this film, including the director, that seemed like this was one of their first or certainly one of their earliest roles. Yes. Was, yes, was that the case? Was it sort of like an all almost? I don't want to. I don't want to say amateur hour in, in like a derogatory sense, but it was a lot of um, first time or, or early uh, careers for a lot of for almost yes, the entire exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. But the director Julian Rothman handled it very well. I thought he really did. He was very, very nice, and everybody was very pleasant. Just as I said, you know, everybody was so damn cold. It was just <laughs> freezing ass cold. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't used to that. I mean, I, you know, I lived in New York, but twenty degrees below is uh, doesn't happen very often in New York. Yeah, we both, my, myself and my co-host, both really enjoyed the film. We were amazed at how, I, I shouldn't say amazed, it's not like it should be, we should be surprised, but the story was really fantastic, and yeah. the characters were all, we described them that they didn't seem like characters, they felt like people. Yes, I agree. Now, I haven't seen that film, my gosh, in, in I don't know, 40 years, mind <laughs> you, so I can't, I can't recall a lot of it. I really okay. can't. Well, but I'm very I, glad you enjoyed it. Oh, it really did. We really did enjoy it. And, like, uh, you know, you got a chance to work with Peter Falk, and it, it's great to know that you guys became friends afterwards. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, a, um, he was a favorite of mine. I always loved watching him in all, any role that he did. It was great Absolutely. to see him. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And another, uh, your, your beautiful co-star, Barbara Lord, in the film, do you remember, recall much of her? I don't. I must say, I have to say, I don't remember. I mean, we're talking, you know, 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's hard to remember if we went to dinner and, or if we didn't, you know. Right. Uh, and it's hard to remember, because that was a long time ago. It was indeed. I understand that. Um, the whole movie uh, focuses around sort of a beatnik crowd. I was curious, did you know if any of the, the, the cast or the crew or the director themselves uh, kind of spun in those circles because it seemed like a fairly accurate portrayal of a lot of this uh, of that lifestyle yes yes I, I thought it was again I thought the director you know Julian Rothman did a terrific job with everybody I really do I don't remember any unpleasant experience or difficulty with the film it, it, we just worked our we worked our buns off on the film we really did because we liked the story and we liked the characters and above all we liked the director 
mm-hmm. which is terribly important. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it, and it shows, too, because you all created a, a really fantastic product. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, it's, it, it was an absolute pleasure to watch, and I, I hope... Um, Maybe we'll, we'll we'll stumble across a few more of your films. Maybe uh, maybe some of the Italian films as we as we progress. Yes, as a matter of fact, one of them is called Sugar Cult, mm-hmm. and uh, I did that under Hunt Powers. Right. The name of Hunt Powers. Is that and, is that uh, definitely is that I, one you think people should go and check out? Oh, that's that was the one I had the most fun in. Okay, good. And it's the one that's been the most popular. I must say. Right, well, I just uh, I just got a fan letter from uh, a man in, in Germany who who saw the film and uh, he be, he's become such a fan it's incredible and I did the <laughs> film you know I don't know twenty five years ago but he he's followed all all of my films and he was just so overwhelmed by it so it just goes to show the films are out there mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know being shown all over the world and uh, I did, I had great fun doing them I really did it was the best one of the best times of my life living in Italy. Uh, good, very good. Well, and then that's one of the, the points of our podcast. Certainly with some of these older films, it seems that when they get a certain age, people tend to start forgetting them. And I, I, I think that's just really wrong. There's some, I mean, these are the foundations that you know the movies and, and Hollywood and whatever are built on, and I don't think they should be forgotten. So it's always a You're pleasure. You're absolutely to- right. And I appreciate very much your attention and your support for older films. Because you're uh, you're right that people do tend to forget what the, how this industry was built, and it was built on film. Not not that my film did, but I mean that early part is all part of the uh, of the growth of the, of the movie industry mm-hmm. before we had special effects and all these crazy things we have now. Right. And I appreciate and I appreciate very much your be- uh, paying attention to these uh, older films that that seem to have been forgotten. Uh, it, it's it has been our pleasure. And, sir, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. We've, I'm sure we'll have fans of yours, and you do have an active online profiles and stuff. Where can people find more about you and kind of follow your productions and your plays? Yes, you can go to www.jackbets.net. Yeah, I'll put those notes, those links in the show notes for anyone that wants to track you down and follow your career that is continuing to go. And good luck, sir, with the rest of your Thank career. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you a lot, and thank you again for your support of the the good old films. Oh, you are very welcome. As I said, sir, it was an absolute pleasure.